that, you know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interrupt. From Ether's tragic, we are born again. It's the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia Hill. I'm Pat O'Brien, and first off, Happy New Year to everybody in the Pumpcast community. Um, Correct we, first episode of yeah, the new year. First episode of 2021, and to celebrate, we are going to do something that we haven't. None of us have been able to do for a year now, which is <laughs> the Pumpcast is going to the movies. That's right. Bundle up your baby New Year and let's go to the Cineplex. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Get your corn and your milk duds and bring your sweetheart so you can neck during it because, yeah, we are covering everyone's fa- everyone's favorite movie, uh, uh, not even just Batman movie, everyone's favorite movie, 1997's Batman and Robin, more specifically the soundtrack, which features our very own Smashing Pumpkins. Correct. Uh, we decided to do this. We wanted to start the year with a new segment. Uh, we realize that we're behind. We're out of order. Uh, but we have special plans for this segment throughout the year. We're going to go back and return uh, to the single soundtrack, uh, even to because I was released before this. But we have a special guest uh, idea for doing the Lost Highway soundtrack. Uh, but this is a new segment where we're going to cover all the pumpkin soundtrack stuff. Uh, Pumpcast goes to the movie movies. Uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Um, but yeah, we're going to be covering Batman and Robin. Uh, Pat, uh, set the scene for me. Uh, this is 1997, or I guess we should uh, give a little facts about when this was. Uh, so the, the single itself was dropped on April 4th, 1997, and the single was released publicly to purchase uh on june 2nd 1997 and of course there was a video that was released along with it that was directed by jonathan dayton and valerie ferris with input from the man himself joel <laughs> schumacher yep rest in peace um, rest in peace we did lose joel schumacher not too long ago right what was it a couple yes. years ago uh i believe it was this year or the year before yeah so um we, you know, I, I certainly remember this time. I don't know about you, Frank. I don't know how. I mean, you were a Batman head, right? You're a fan oh, yeah. of the the Tim Burton. What began as the Tim Burton Batman movies? How could you not? I mean, as a kid or a teenager during that time, like everyone had Batman fever once the Tim Burton movies came out. You have to also for our younger listeners. Uh, imagine a time where uh, it was a superhero movie desert. Uh, mm-hmm. now there's a superhero movie every single week. Uh, mm-hmm. and in this time we had very, very little, uh, superhero movies. Superman, the movie was probably the biggest one, uh, before the Tim Burton Batman movies came out. Uh, there were made for TV movies that were the Marvel ones that weren't very good at all. <laughs> um, Howard the Duck was the first Marvel movie, believe it or not. <laughs> not yeah, great. Fact. <laughs> That's it. No more Mr. Yeah. Nice Duck. It's so amazing that Howard the Duck was made before any Marvel property, like big budget Marvel property, which is insane to me. <laughs> yeah. Consider it. Yeah. Considering that superhero movies make up like 
33% of our culture now, like, if not more, it's, you know, it is wild that they decided to go with, like, a weird, like, indie comic, or not indie, but, you know, like, an yeah. underground duck comic. Um, but we're, we're all glad that they did, because that's everyone's second favorite movie, Howard the Correct. Duck and Batman yeah. and Robin. So, yeah, Tim Burton came out. Uh, comes out with the uh, Batman. Batman Returns. Uh, he does not return along with Michael Keaton for the sequels to those movies, which gave us Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. And this movie, Batman and Robin, is what killed the franchise until Christopher Nolan took over. Um, mm. Years later, I mean, they went through a lot of other stuff. But look up all the history on that. It's fine but yeah i was a, a avid comic book collector at the time but my top two and i still collect comics uh but uh the top two uh titles that i would get are the were the batman comics and x-men those were my my favorites oh i have a, i have a weird thing that happened to me in 1997 around when this movie came out um so I'm from you know outside buffalo new york nowhere no hub of of I don't know, comic illustration or anything, but my mom had a friend who had a friend who like knew this guy who had an office above the movie theater in town and he was the illustrator for Bat he was an illustrator for Batman Detective Comics at the time and he also created the character Bane. Um, oh. his name is Graham Nolan, I think. Uh, if I'm not mixing that up with Christopher Nolan, but he, so I got to meet this guy. He also, he gave me a drawing, like a cover art drawing, like a pencil drawing of um, Batman and Spider-Man. Uh, but he was talking about how he, he refused to see Batman and Robin. Because um, <laughs> of what they did to his character. Because what they did, they made, which, yeah, they did. I mean, everybody is familiar with Bane now, like it, from the other movies, but yeah, they made Bane just sort of like a totally lunk-headed character who doesn't speak and just sort of, you know, he's just like a like muscle, but then but he's yeah, he's he's like Poison Ivy's like bodyguard basically. But yeah. anyway, yeah, so that just adds a that it, in addition to being super super duper into the pumpkins pretty into the bat i mean i was like super into the first two batman movies still on board for batman forever and honestly i was very excited about this movie i don't know if i left it being as excited but um anyway it was yeah it was a big buzzy time for um batman and the pumpkins i i also will say this bet i think this batman like you said it killed the franchise for a while not considered the best Batman by anybody, probably considered the worst by most, including um, I was watching George Clooney uh, talk to Howard Stern about this recently, and he was saying, you know, how uh, he's completely embarrassed of it. He did a bad job. The movie was bad. You know, Joel Schumacher would tell you it's bad. Like, everybody, everybody would tell you it's bad. It's so bad that... Um, it actually hurts to watch. It's physically, like, you'll be flipping the channels and just it'll just pop up and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I will say, since we've talked about all the, the other superhero stuff that's come out and all the many, many Batman movies that have come out, right up to, um, well, there's a new one coming, but 
right up to the Joker movie. I I caught Batman and Robin on TV about like within the last year and started watching it, remembering it as being very bad. But it's kind of like I at this point in time, I really appreciated how stupid and punny and like kooky it is because I feel like the, you know, the Joker movie to me is the epitome of superhero lore officially taking itself way too seriously and trying <laughs> too hard to like be meaningful and gritty yeah. you know like i liked the i liked it and i liked the um i liked it stylistically i liked what they were you know yeah the, i liked what they were going for in terms of the like 70s scorsese vibe and like the you know but the the take the tone of like i i just i suddenly appreciated this movie all over again the like stupid ice puns that schwarzenegger would do all right everyone chill cool party let's I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. But anyway, yeah. So uh, I uh, I have to I have to tip my hat a little bit to the um, the kooky sort of silliness of the movie because that's like a big part of Batman's legacy is like with the TV show and stuff. Like, you know, Batman can be funny and stupid. Doesn't have to always. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I will say just all that to say, like looking back, I do have sort of a, an appreciation for this movie, especially considering how self serious the Batman stuff has, has become, you know? Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, you're preaching to the choir because I would take, uh, the Schumacher, batman films over any of the snyder dc films personally mm-hmm. yeah uh, the, the older i get and this is something i have to remind myself of being a comic book collector uh when i was a kid and even now is like there's there's so many different variations on the characters by different writers and different artists that there's room for at all you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. like even if it's not for me like the snyder dc stuff is just not for me i am not psyched about the snyder cut i didn't like the man of, i did like man of steel a little bit but like uh the 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 justice league movies or any of that stuff like i, I just it's just not for me mm-hmm. and joker same thing with joker like it's just like stylistically it looks good but like not for me i just didn't care for it it felt I don't know, like kind of what you, you your criticisms were. It's like I felt like I've 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 already seen this. Uh, this mm-hmm. is adding nothing new for me. This is just not my style or my taste. You know, yeah. and that's fine because guess what? I have a million different other Batman properties to enjoy. So right. I'm not going to shit on it. It's just I'm just not going to watch it. Yeah, um, yeah. And that yeah, that's something that I I feel like for for me going back to the Schumacher stuff because I recently rewatched all of them because my daughter is actually really into Batman. Uh, and she loves the Danny Elfman score. Oh, nice. Uh, to the Tim Burton ones. And we rewatched the. First of all, Batman Forever is a deeply horny movie. Uh, <laughs> that was something I did. I, I sort of remembered as a teenager, but uh, definitely now I'm like, wow, this is a well, wait, okay. achingly horny movie. So it's so interesting. So the who was. Because the, the characters were Riddler and. Uh, Two Face. Two Face. So and who was the lo- did Bruce Wayne have a love Chase interest? Chase Meridian, in? and that okay. was uh, our, our very own, our very own <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Kidman. Our very own Nicole Kidman. I say that because she's on TV like all the time now. 
Oh, dude, I totally forgot Nicole Kidman was in that movie. Yeah, just total, like, between her and Val Kilmer, just total smoke shows. Both of them just just heating up the screen mm-hmm. with their sexual chemistry. Um, but then, you know, we get to this movie, Batman Robin, and that's no fault of Joel Schumacher's. I know people who tuned in for our Smashing Pumpkins podcast are really excited to hear about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, they should movie. be, because it's, yeah. it's part but of the, the lore, the part of the canon. The problem was that Batman Returns was turned so many parents off, and that's why the McDonald's uh, toy line and stuff was pulled, mm. uh, because people saw the movie and they were like, holy fuck, this is so dark, and they, they hated it. Mm. So Warner Brothers was like, we're going to go in a new direction. Joel Schumacher come in, and he kind of had like a 60s Batman take, but they were like, we want to sell toys. We want to make this friendly for kids. Do that for us. So by the time we get to Batman and Robin, they were like, even more, even mm. more. So... I don't blame Schumacher because Schumacher's a fantastic uh, director and I feel like he kind of did the best he could with the guidelines that they gave and I thought Clooney was a good Bruce Wayne. He would have been a perfect Bruce Wayne. It just wasn't a great movie, you know? It, mm-hmm. it, it has its own charm though. I, I can enjoy it now for its kitsch. Uh, yeah, and that's what George Clooney was saying in this recent interview where he happened to be talking about this is that it's such a, like Howard Stern asked him... We, because he was saying he can't even look at it like when it comes on TV or whatever and he Howard Stern asked him would you do like do, when, you know when you think about it now would you like do anything differently you know in your acting or whatever and he basically said like I couldn't do anything different like the whole thing is such a machine that like you can't like yeah it, it just sort of goes without you know you're just, and he brought up the fact that um you know I remember the, just as a kid how noticeable it was that um schwarzenegger was given top billing like over batman you know (laughs) like he was saying how arnold got paid like 25 million and george clooney got paid about 1 million you know and it was just so it was like i remember having this feeling of like man batman's gonna let himself get disrespected like that you know like it (laughs) it was tough to watch you know tough to watch batman be sort of made made a chump like that you know it was yeah i don't know like a chump hey like a chump hey so i i yeah so at this time you know height height of my pumpkin fandom Mm -hmm. uh cut to mtv news Announcing that the Smashing Pumpkins, our favorite band, is going to be doing a song for the soundtrack to one of my favorite superheroes, Batman. It's going to be for the next Batman movie, and I was fucking stoked. Mm-hmm. Stoked, stoked, stoked. And, um, you know, this was after I came out on the Lost Highway soundtrack. And this, we were starting to get a taste of what, apparently what Billy was saying is like, this is what you can expect on the next album. Mm-hmm. So between I and this song, the end is the beginning is the end. Uh, we're starting to get a taste of like, all right, this is going to be what the next album is going to sound like. They're going into a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was exciting too, to yeah, see that. Definitely. And then you see the video. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you feel about the video, Pat. Uh, I loved it at the time. Mm-hmm. Same. I loved it. 
I was like, yes, yes, yes. We're floating around a Batman's head. They got the cool instruments that kind of look mm -hmm. like they're, you know, like all weird and, and, and kind of twisted. And, you know, they're floating around and Darcy looks awesome. And James has cool hair and Matt Walker's in the video, which was a big deal, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about the video? Well, at the time, I felt the same. Um, it, oh, and it, I guess this is, it, speaking of Matt Walker, this is like the first, um, certainly first video with him, maybe only video with him in it. But it, was this the first song they recorded with him? Uh, yes, I believe so, because I don't think he was part of the programming of I. Right, yeah, yeah. I think they probably performed really that with him at some point, but um, yeah. like live or whatever. But yeah, same. Um, I it was great. It was like, um, you know, I, I, I all of the things you just listed, I, I thought were cool. I will say now, looking at it, I still yep. have a total fondness for it. It's still cool to watch. It's still fun to watch. But I think it may, in terms of smashing, which the, which is this is a testament to how good the pumpkins videos are over time. I feel like this one is one of the few it doesn't age well yeah because it's so of the time you know what i mean like it's using the technology it looks very retro um in a way that is for once like not intentional like tonight tonight looks very retro in a very very deliberate way you know it, right. in a very like leaning into you know so tonight tonight's not gonna seem like not gonna scream 1990s Six, um, because it's referencing you know the 1910s or whatever, but um, this one does scream 1997 in a way that's kind of interesting because I've certainly re as we both everybody you know probably listening we've we've rewatched the Pumpkins videos over and over and they're for most especially of them, now that they're remastering them yeah yeah and most of them because they're so conceptual like have a timeless quality to them. Um, Maybe Rocket feels would feel like kind of very of the time or something, but in a cool, in a nice, fun way. It's still got yeah. that handmade feel, you know. Whereas this just and, and the the yeah the CGI Batman head at the beginning that we go into, <laughs> just the projection, the green, you know, it felt yeah. like watching um, like an old Rush video or something. You know what I mean? Like for the yeah. first, this is it was an odd experience because it, you know it, it did feel. Um, yeah, it Strength. felt retro in a different in a different way than than their videos usually feel like. Yeah, it's it's hard because looking back at it, it's like oh, because the, the single didn't do that great, um, and I can't help but feel like because I remember at the time people really made fun of and just tore apart that video, mm -hmm. like. My friends, like, I, this is the point where my friends that also like the pumpkins, like, bowed out. I could see it. I mean, I was watching it, and I was like, I, you know, you and I were fully in, and I was still, you know, still very much on board. But watching it, I was like, I could see how, <laughs> I could see how someone might look at this and think, you know, oh, this is for dorks or something, you know, like, I, I yeah. totally will, I totally, <laughs> and maybe it is, you know, maybe we're I all dorks, you know, yeah, I don't I, know. I, I just don't think that the video, because of the stuff that came before it and then after it, um, I just don't think it did any favors. Because uh, I think people were like, they thought Billy looked weird and they didn't like the hand gestures he was making as he's singing. And uh, they made fun of it on MTV. There was like, they used to have these little bumpers 
uh, these animated bumpers uh, that would play between shows and music mm-hmm. videos, and there was one animated thing that was making fun of the video itself. And oh, it really? Like, Yikes. Yeah. It, I, I, I wonder, and here's, I mean, it's way too late, but here's my pitch of what they, I think, would have been a cool idea for the video and kind of had an Ava Adore uh, feeling to it. They should have just set it in Arkham Asylum. Yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. And the band members are in each of the cells and stuff, and then you could get to little have little cameos from mm-hmm. other villains and stuff, or even like past villains, like from the '60s Batman or the Burton Batman, and you can mm-hmm. kind of go around and have the performance in, you know, Arkham Asylum, and then maybe at the end they overtake Arkham Asylum. I don't know. Maybe they're the band playing it, but that kind of feels like that probably would. I bet if they would have gone like in a direction like that for the video, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been as maligned. Yeah, and also, and it's funny because in this interview um, there, from uh, MTV News with Joel Schumacher and Billy Corgan being interviewed together, right? He, he Schumacher, who is involved in the video, he was talking about how he was like um, talking about the clips, the movie clips in the video. Okay, it says Schumacher plans to combine footage of the pumpkins with fleeting glimpses of Batman and Robin. Schumacher says, We didn't have to put film in the video because I don't think it's important to make an infomercial for the movie. But he really wanted to explore Batman's brains. Talking about Billy. Um, so, but they do. It's, it's chock full of those videos, which th- that's another reason why it feel you know, it, it you know, I, it, I, it's like, it is, it is by definition kind of like being used to promote some other pro- some product other than the music so like it is a bit of an infomercial for the movie i didn't mind at the time but you know it, there's no getting around that yeah it's interesting because in our time uh, movie soundtracks were huge you know like mm-hmm. uh, especially in the late 90s like that was like the the peak of movie soundtracks and especially videos that go along with it. And it's tough to make a video where you integrate um, the footage from the film to work with the actual video. But Mm -hmm. sometimes they would just kind of make the video and then just insert clips wherever, (laughs) you know, it was convenient. Like I remember um, for Can't Hardly Wait, the feeder video for, um, uh, what's the one, a high? I remember that one. I would oh, probably recognize it. Yes, you it. do. If you heard it, you'd know it. But probably. like they kind of like this video has them like kind of floating around the streets and stuff, and they mm-hmm. insert uh, you know clips from "Can't Hardly Wait." And I remember Jimmy Eat World doing a song for uh, "Never Been Kissed" for uh, Lucky Denverman. And they just kind of like inserting those clips wherever. It, it always feels awkward, but occasionally, yeah. like even before this soundtrack, the the previous Bat- Batman Forever with U2's uh, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. They kind of had a comic book element to it that I thought. Yeah, I remember that being cool. Yeah, and of course, I mean, let's not forget the granddaddy of of 
Batman soundtracks, Prince. Prince did the, oh the whole... God, yes. I mean, I think Prince, had, when you were describing a better version of, of um, p- the Pumpkins video, I immediately thought of Prince and his... Um, the I forget Bat which. Dance? Yeah, I guess it was for Bat Dance because he did every. He the whole soundtrack was a Prince album, which is cool. Yeah, you know, Party old. Man. So good. Yeah. God. Oh man. That's. I mean, you'll never beat. You know, trust. 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 What makes you a real lover? Trust. Put this question to you. Won't you let me with me? Oh, the the God. You'll never get better than than for my taste in Joker. You're never gonna beat the scene in Batman, the original Batman movie. With Joker and his cohorts at the art ga- defacing the art gallery um, <laughs> to with party to Prince, man. it's it's just mwah, it's just the just the absolute best. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds, Lawrence. But yeah, yeah Prince did a sort of two face thing where he was like half painted as Joker, half maybe himself, I guess. But he was yeah. both uh, Joker and. Two-Face. Anyway, yeah, Prince. But then, so that was the first one. The third one, the Batman Forever had a stacked, you know, late 90s soundtrack full of, like, I remember having that one. And it had, like, 20 tracks. Yeah, Flaming Lips were on it. They were actually, that song was in the movie, I remember. But there was, like, PJ Harvey was on it. Like, I don't know, Method Man. Like, all sorts of stuff was on that soundtrack plenty of songs that weren't even in the you know from and music from and inspired by but i don't remember um batman returns having any like pop songs in it particularly. oh i do susie and the banshees oh that's right was yeah, it that um, was the main single from that it, uh, that's such a cool song uh yeah wait what is it um uh, face, face to face. face yes Yeah, because uh, I just remember that the Susie and the Banshees track was uh, like the single off of it. They had a video for it, um, which is like kind of dark and sexy and cool. Uh, but I think that was the only pop song that was on the soundtrack because the rest of it were was the uh, Danny Elfman score. score. Yeah, yeah. Then you have um, you know the Batman Forever soundtrack, which we talked about, and then we we have Batman and Robin. So I think that this soundtrack kind of suffers from a lot of like what some soundtracks at the time suffer from where it's like yeah music from and inspired by quote unquote (laughs) but really it's just a dumping ground for the record label to be like hey let's throw our bands on it on our roster on here Mm -hmm. so that we can hopefully bump album sales Uh, because you listen to some of these songs off the soundtrack and we'll talk about it after we talk about these songs Uh, you're, you're just like how does this fit into the movie at all right yeah yeah you got um Oh man, the well, <laughs> I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on some of these songs, particularly. We'll get to it after. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to it. So let's. Do you want to dive into? Um, do you want to dive into the single? All right, everyone. Chill. 
So just to let everyone know how we're going to do this is we're going to cover the end as the beginning as the end uh, uh, single. Uh, the one that has the end as the beginning as the end. The beginning as the end as the beginning. The ether's tragic and the guns of love disastrous. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about the adore versions of those, the CRC demos. Um, but we will not be covering the remix single. Right. Uh, because, uh, well, we don't want to, and it's our show. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, so the first song off this single is The End is a Beginning is the End. thoughts on this song yeah i i really dig this song it's not I, it's it's not my favorite pumpkin song but i was super into it at the time and listening to it now it's it's um it's interesting to hear the connection to what would be a door you know the some of the stuff off of a door it's yeah. interesting to hear um i heard some um kind of marilyn manson uh vibes in it this time which i had never heard before um i i think it's a cool song i think it's it's it is hard to separate it in my head from batman partially because it's sort of um with the exception of some of the um sort of variant versions on being on like the super deluxe adore they were never able to sort of release this on like singles collections or anything because it was owned by um warner warner so it's hard. To, it's it's always been so firmly tied to Batman. It's 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 like it's hard to sort of like judge it on its own merits. But I think it is a really good song, and it's it, it's um yeah. I it, it's interesting to study it or to look at it as sort of a study of like yet another transition phase that the pumpkins were going through. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. It's it's funny cuz like listening to it it did feel like um a door meets machina in a way. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting I got very my voice got very high there. It's a really um, yeah, That's your podcast voice. No. Look. Yeah. <laughs> But it really is an interesting arrangement because uh, mm-hmm. it's not exactly a, a, an earworm uh, for mm-hmm. the masses, you know. It no. really is kind of it's it's cinematic in the way that it's built, and that's the way kind of Billy was thinking about because they specifically had had to they specifically wrote this for the movie. Yeah, which is interesting. I I don't think I fl- I mean I think I could have. You know, I guess that's how it works when you're asked to do like a lead single for a soundtrack, typically. But like, I hadn't really thought of it. Like, I, I, you know, like I said, it was always very associated with the movie. But I didn't actually know that Billy wrote this specifically for and kind of about his interpretation of of Batman, which is which yeah. is kind of interesting. We actually have a quote uh, where he says of the song. At one point, I found myself going, I can't write a song about Batman. I'm in an alternative band. 
and I thought, this is stupid. If I can write a song about Batman and it serves the purpose, which is to make it happen and connect with the movie and connect with something that is unique and original, then why not? For mm-hmm. me, it was a great kind of artistic thing to do because it was very freeing. I, w- I wasn't talking about myself or trying to represent the Smashing Pumpkins. I was trying to represent Batman. He further commented that the song's lyrics were meant to represent the Batman of the 1940s when he was a, quote-unquote, darker character. Mm-hmm. Corgan himself saying uh, the sound is probably like what you would expect from us in the future. So, yeah, he's trying to get in the head of Batman, but more specifically the 1940s Batman. High atop one of the hills which ring the teeming metropolis of Gotham City, A large house rears its bulk against the dark sky. Outwardly, there's nothing to distinguish this house from many others. But deep in the cavernous basements of this house, in a chamber hewn from the living rock of the mountain, is the strange, dimly lighted, mysteriously secret Bat's Cave, hidden headquarters of America's number one crime fighter, Batman. Yes, Batman clad in the somber costume which has struck terror to the heart of many a swaggering denizen of the underworld. Batman, who even now is pondering the plans of a new assault against the forces of crime. A crushing blow against evil in which he will have the valuable aid of his young, two-fisted assistant, Robin the Boy Wonder. They represent American youth who love their country and are glad to fight for it. Wherever crime raises its ugly head to strike with the venom of a maddened rattlesnake, Batman and Robin strike also. And in this very hour when the Axis criminals are spreading their evil over the world, even within our own land, Batman and Robin stand ready to fight them to the death. I could see how maybe it would it would turn some people off given the title itself is so... You know, there's a lot about this song that's complicated. Mm-hmm. Unless you're like a big Pumpkins fan, I, it's hard for like more of the masses to get. It. And granted, you two had that very long title for their Batman song, mm-hmm. so there is a uh, you know, it, there's an a, example of it happening before. But uh, it did feel a little bit like a very Billy thing to be like, I'm gonna make this kind of very poetic and complicated and even the lyrics feel like how does this relate to batman because mm-hmm. it's very much his interpretation of batman you yeah. know what i mean like, yeah and I, definitely we we love it um but it does feel like a little bit like you know you're you're with your friends and you're like hey let's uh, get our bikes and go you know ride down uh, the griffith park you know path and then he shows up in a penny farthing right uh, right yeah bike and you're like dude come on i you know, but we love that about him. But I can see how like more most people are like, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and I respect it honestly in the in terms of the conversation that he sort of frames in this in this article at some point about selling out. You know, there's an this yeah. is the band was huge. Do you know doing a Batman thing with like Batman clips and you know it's like prime ripe for people calling you sellouts and you know it's. We've talked about before how, like, I, I, I kind of respect, especially at this point, Billy not being totally shy about wanting to sort of be on top, you know, wanting commercial success and broad yeah. appeal. So I totally buy, you know, um, it, I, it would be tough for any of us to, to turn down, um, you know, <laughs> making a song or making whatever we make 
you know, for a Batman movie and getting paid a ton of money and Pat, whatever. You and but, you I know. have both had to write branded content. Dude, I've written for so many websites, so <laughs> we have no room. To I've talk written so much whatsoever. branded content for so <laughs> many fucking things. If for with such the word that had to fold in such stupid crap, like. You know, make sure that the bottle is facing out, and yet make yeah. sure that they mention how good the product works in your comedy sketch. Right, and we Fuck don't want to associate, you know, uh, we don't want to associate fiat with, you know, uh, any negative things. So let's lose the part about, you know, that let's the whole the whole idea. <laughs> yeah, let's lose the part that's funny. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I I I totally buy what he says about like um, it being kind of uh, an artistic. A moment of kind of freedom because the pressure's off. You know, it's like so. I've had moments like okay, we'll consider. Let's since since you mentioned branded content, let's consider this the Pumpkins' ultimate branded content gig. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 like we're selling a product, but have fun with it, do your thing, and I do think the result is cool, and probably because you know. Um, because it was, I mean, this and I, which we'll we'll ta- we'll definitely talk about um, in the context of Lost Highway in a later episode. Yeah. Both because of the fact that it was like sort of serving a movie and not like an album for the band. I'm sure there's like a t- it, it's. I'm sure there's no coincidence that it also marks like a pretty significant pivot in their sound this also times out with them losing jimmy as a drummer and kind of going into more of a drum machine like sound electronic electronica type sound but you know i think it it, it's it all it all probably worked out to to every moment in this band's history kind of moves the needle forward for better or worse and i think this was ultimately for for better better. you know yeah that's a that's a good observation, Pat, because I do feel like um, they needed to get this kind of, not out of their system, but they needed to explore. Between I and this song, I think they needed to explore these avenues to find the sound that they eventually landed on with the door. I mean, mm-hmm. the door has its own uh, troubled history, which we'll get into once we cover that album in a, a month or so. Um, but I know it took a lot of trial and error. And this is just another stepping stone for them to find it. And I, 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 I like this song, but you're right. It's a transition period, them figuring it out and being like, what do we want the sound to be? And again, kind of how Billy talks about wanting to shift with the times because they've already done the guitar rock. Mm. And at that time, we're getting a lot of um, out of England, you know, trip hop. We're getting a lot of electronic stuff that's starting to find its way into the charts onto MTV, a lot of Prodigy. I'm a Sneaker pimps. Call on me. Spin, spin sugar. You know, a lot of uh, Underworld, which is on the soundtrack. You get a lot of these electronic artists that are coming out. And Billy is inspired by, even like with hip hop, you know, like I remember at this time, uh, especially with I like being influenced by Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. You know, him talking about how like the Wu-Tang Clan was the next, uh, I remember listening to and reading interviews where he's like, like even uh, there's the whole new movement within hip hop, you know, the Wu-Tang and Missy Elliott. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's great. The energy there is so great. And it, people may not see this, but when I watch Missy Elliott, it's the same thing as when I watched 
Soundgarden for the first time, I get that same excitement and you feel like somebody's doing something that's so new. You know, maybe to some people it sounds like the same old thing, but to me it sounds so fresh. And I want to stay there. I want to be there all the time. I want that feeling all the time. Uh, so that's where he was kind of, his head was at and where they were going. Yeah, um, definitely. And you could hear these elements in there, but it's, again, it's through the pumpkin filter, um, mm -hmm. which I dig. And I think like, I'm just going to kind of go through some of my notes, uh, observations I made uh, about the song itself. I, I, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but like the background vocals are really cool. And I assume based off the video that it's mostly Darcy um, mm -hmm. doing these, but there's like these really cool background vocals when they say, uh, when he sings Chrome and Dome. There's like these like little interesting vocal flourishes that are like kind of ghost-like and it mm -hmm. almost felt like a little bit of seer to me. You know, like maybe yep. toying with that that idea even then. Well, I totally hear that, and I thought the same thing, especially when you listen to um, "Guns of Love" disastrous, which oh, is yeah. like very isolated synthy parts, you know, and it has that ah, that like Manson kind of synth. Uh, I think in this in that track, it's a synthy like a vocal, you know, vocal setting on the keyboard, you know, like synth vocals doing yeah. sort of a choral thing which comes off very ghost-like and creepy but um yeah i was thinking the same thing there are definitely if you especially on that track which is very synth synth stripped you know stripped down to just synths you, i was definitely thinking about um seer which feeds into that idea that you know seer is something that's been kicking around in billy's head for a long long time yep knocking around in that dome um oh, dome I love the the riff too. That riff has always been cool to me. That da na 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 mm -hmm. na na. Um, and then uh, when it goes back into the the um, the verse, when he goes into that climb my rib cage too, mm -hmm. uh, that part is really cool because all the instruments are out and you just hear the kick drum. Climb my rib cage too. The replays run for you. which I thought was always a really cool uh, sound, and then it kicks back in. And I always love the sound of the Kremlin King of Angel's Avenge. That harp kind of keyboard descent mm -hmm. noise that it makes. Dude, when you just, when you, um when you just sang the riff, I immediately, I immediately connected like, oh, that's maybe like da na 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 na. With the way you sang it, it was like, oh, sort of like the '60s Batman, you know, da na 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 na. <laughs> like maybe that was like the starting place of like how do you know? Like I know he mentioned the '40s Batman, but that didn't have a catchy song, you know. <laughs> I never thought about that. I never, you know, it does kind of. Maybe that's a reach, but maybe not. Yeah, I maybe you're onto something that there's a connection between. I mean, if you're told like go make your own Batman song, you're at least gonna be. Maybe you'll try to get as far away from this as possible, but you're at least gonna think about for a second at least the 
the, the Batman. It's kind of like how now people just reconstruct the John Williams score for Superman. Whatever yeah. they create, or like Danny Elfman's score for Batman, basically all the recreation. Anytime they make a new Superman or Batman movie, they just basically are reconstructing that John Williams score yes. and the Danny Elfman score. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I love how it go- does that little cool down, and the bass sounds awesome on it, and then the build up into the freak out. I love mm-hmm. the guitar sounds on that, and how it goes into that Zeppelin's Rain Upon Us section. chorus i think i I love that part the lyrics are so interesting because like the zeppelins rain upon us uh the guns of love disastrous a shadow lies amongst you to defy the future path Mm -hmm. i don't know what the fuck that means but you know like if 1940 zeppelins that makes sense uh it sounds cool it looks cool so (laughs) i'm i'm into it yeah for i am crystal chrome and i am shattered dome this, they kind of remi- these lyrics kind of remind me of like newer stuff, it, it, like it's, you know what yeah. I mean. Like kind of remind me of Seer era writing a little bit. It's definitely more poetic. It's mm-hmm. the stuff that we'd see in later punk and stuff, and we don't really see too much on Adore since it's a little bit more personal. Right. Maybe a little bit on Machina, but it's the, definitely the type of stuff we see, you know, Tear Garden on type of uh, lyrical content. Yeah, I hold secrets flame. You can, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely very poetic, and probably, and, and the fact that there, there are so many lyrics. Like, the fa- it goes, yeah, it's, it it's goes on and on, and then um, into the next, you know, the the next track. The the beginning is the end is the beginning. There are a whole other set of. It seems like he wrote, he overwrote for this, and then um, it spawned, you know. Uh, it it spawned a, its own sequel as a result. Yeah, I mean, I I really love the the lyric of like watch the world devoured in its pain. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that fits into the Batman universe, I think. Definitely. Um, and then uh, let's see what else did I have? I yeah, I just remember I for a while I had a CD player that uh, you could set a timer to, and uh, this would be the song I woke up to uh, for a good while until a door came out. Oh, really? And then I would set it to wake me up to Ava Adore. So I always associate it with waking up, like it, like giving me that kick to get out of bed mm-hmm. um, and like being like, yeah. But this was hard because like, again, like I mentioned, this is this was the era that a lot of my friends who were also into the pumpkins were like out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just like, my mind was blown after seeing the video. And I remember being so psyched and then feeling bummed that I had like no one to match that excitement. Mm-hmm. Guess what, Pat? Now we do. Yeah, I, I remember that around this time too. I actually remember when the I, um, when the Lost Highway soundtrack came out, I was so psyched about that pumpkin song, that the, the, the new sort of sound they're unveiling, the whole soundtrack really. And I kind of remember this feeling of looking around like, guys, like everyone's psyched about this, right? And sort of realizing like, <laughs> oh, I don't really have that. Like there's really, <laughs> no one else is like, talking about or thinking about this the way i am and it, exactly yeah, it, that, that it, but i you know i it, then i think my fandom sort of entered that phase this the, it's interesting these movie soundtracks might be the beginning the yeah <laughs> the end of the and, of everyone being into the pumpkins it, the beginning of me carrying on my, the torch you know in a way that felt uh like I, I, I didn't care. I was still just as psyched and only getting more psyched. But it's yeah, it's an in- it's interesting that we both had <laughs> similar experiences around this time. Yeah. Um, well, any final thoughts on uh, the end? Is the beginning is the end? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I have further thoughts on the on the um, on its companion pieces, but then let's do that. What's up next, Pat? The next track is The Beginning is the End is the Beginning. The beginning is the end is the beginning. Uh, that's fun to say. The beginning is the end is the beginning. It almost sounds like Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. <laughs> I can't even say it right, but you know which song I'm talking about? Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina, Mr. Mr. Dabalina, Mr. Bob Dabalina. Yes. Who does that song? Dale the Funky Homo Sapien. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I always loved this version. I if, When I listened to the soundtrack, I was like, oh, this sounds more like in vain of like batman mm-hmm. you know i love the darkness of it i of course i'm always a sucker for a uh, arpeggioed keyboard sounds you know it's kind of subtle in this again uh kind of sound like the pesh mode to me you know because mm-hmm. i was really into ultra at that time and like that kind of keyboard sound like the darkness of it is cinematic and moody and uh always felt like yeah like i said this one fit more into the mood of the batman movies or mm-hmm. even the burton ones yeah and then of course it was later used in the the watchman movie that ca- or in the trailer for the watchman movie that came out in 2009 yeah. i remember being in the theater seeing some other movie and seeing a trailer for the watchman and yeah, I lost being my like, what the fuck? Like, I, it was just sort of, um, it was the last thing I was expecting to hear in a movie trailer was the sort of B-side, you know, version of the song from, you know, the Batman, the Batman and Robin soundtrack. I mean, it's still DC property, but yeah. Yeah, it's crazy how it, it got, and then it launched, then it got this whole other, it's probably Second more well-known. This version of the song 
from the Watchmen trailer is probably um, more well known at this point than the the previous one, right? Absolutely. It's kind of weird because like it feels like the end is the beginning is still kind of considered like a punchline. Mm-hmm. But if you talk about the beginning as the end, people are like, oh, yeah, dude, that song is awesome. Like yeah. anybody, like everybody who knows the Watchmen, you know, like uh, saw the movie or saw that trailer is like, oh, but yeah, Pumpkins, that song is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is what Billy said. Prior to its inclusion in this trailer, it was, quote, a version of that song that never seemed to get any notice. But as Corgan ultimately discovered, the massive jump in online sales seems to indicate it might be worth it for us and for the movie, meaning the Watchmen movie. He complimented its use in the, tra- in the trailer, but joked that his fans, quote, seem to be confused when the outside world appreciates our work. I had that same <laughs> feeling sitting in that theater. I was like, wait a minute. People want that? People are into this? Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and again, not to slam on Snyder, like, I didn't care for the movie uh it looked great but i think yeah the movie. it love the hbo series yeah so different like so different for, i think the thing that's that you know i i really enjoyed the the book the comic book the watchman the, yeah. the movie the Zack snyder movie is so weirdly loyal to the book that it just comes off as like fl- like sort of useless like it's sort of like why why do we even need this movie you know like it just sort of retells the book but I don't know. There's something kind what of dead about it. Yeah, it's but weird doesn't what it picks and ch- like what they pick and choose. Uh, right, right. So you're not even getting a complete version of the book. You're just getting sort of recreated moments and stuff that don't add any. I guess don't add anything, but only take things away, which is not a good look. But yeah, the show wi- wildly different and and um, so good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but this is something that they would eventually, because of the popularity, they would uh, insert back into their live shows or put mm-hmm. into their live shows. And I'd have to say, this was definitely one of my favorite uh, visuals, the Linda Strawberry videos uh, that went along with the songs. When they played this song, this was probably one of my favorite videos because it has that Busby Berkeley type of uh, aesthetic to it, mm-hmm. you know? I loved it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, kind of a Hollywood nod there to the to the big Hollywood, uh, big Hollywood song. Yeah, and it's another moment. This Watchmen moment in time is sort of another one of those moments where, like, out of nowhere, sort of a, a more um, under the radar pumpkin song just sort of re-enters the mainstream. Like you know when that iPhone commercial came out last year with um, "We Only Come yeah. Out at Night" and that was suddenly playing like all the time you know every 10 minutes on 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 primetime tv or whatever it happens keeps happening yeah and it's gonna keep i mean right now we just the resurgence of um 1979 Mm -hmm. it feels like every you know gen z kid is doing their version of 1979 right and that that what's that boy band that we were just listening to the um oh yeah it's just the name of the band is uh uh yeah, our sentence. good buddy Alex Gordello sent us that clip. Um, why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we is the band, and the song is Slow Down. I've been lying to myself, and I, I know why. why don't we 
not change any of the music of 1979 and just yeah. change the lyrics. <laughs> why, do, why don't we just take the song that already works? And do <laughs> no, it again? I, I I like it. I mean, like I mean, I I'm, the song's not for me, but I do think that it's like it's cool because you mm-hmm. know, like our generation, you know, we got into like our parents' music, you know, oh, with dude. like Hendrix and Zeppelin and stuff. So it's and like talk I, about the 90s, like when I grew up, no, knowing so many big, big, big songs only from their like 90s reworked version, like yeah. Like covers or samples, so many hip hop, yeah. big hip hop, like you know, um, everything, every Will Smith song, not every Will Smith song, <laughs> basically, um, but most of them, except for the the millennia, the um, the Clash Rock the Casbah one, that was a little bit like uh, that one felt like a stretch, and I was a little bit like, oh, I think I like the Clash too much to get on board for this one. The new millennium, yo, excuse me, yeah. millennium, can't get thicker than this. But oh yeah, I also like I remember Warren G's regulator. It was a clear black night, a clear white moon. Warren G was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the Eve, so I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Mm-hmm. Like hearing that that like little sample and being like, oh man! And then when I f- heard the Michael McDonald. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, that's what it's from." Mm-hmm. I'm still discovering stuff like that. Well, I'll I'll listen oh, yeah. to like some Parliament song or something. You know, something where I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" I know, yeah. you know, that's Snoop Dogg. You know, like yeah, Snoop Dogg and George Clinton were like a direct. You know, there was like a very direct connection there. Anyway, all that to say, there's nothing wrong with discovering cool songs or samples of songs um, in their non-original form. You know, we've all done it, and it's it's uh, it's good. I think it's I think it's great. I think it means we're not crazy. You know, if this right. if this music is still marketable music that can sell boy band singles, like that that means we um, yeah we have good taste. So I, I feel like. Also, it's like for every. I know it's frustrating for fans because uh, we. I think we got a couple of messages about it, but like, I think it's frustrating for fans because sometimes they don't give the credit, and people are like, "But some people don't know that it's you know a sample from mm-hmm. the Pumpkins." And I totally get that, especially from our generation that use samples because you know people think, "Oh, Vanilla Ice," you know that's what that right. song is like. No, it's under pressure, but right. it's it, uh, <laughs> which is one of the funniest clips. Him explaining why it's not right. Uh, a sample because of like I'm gonna insert that clip here because it's just too fucking funny. Ding 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 diggy ding 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 diggy ding 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 that's the way theirs goes. Ours goes ding 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 diggy ding 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 diggy ding ding that little bitty change. It's not the same. Yeah, I can't believe he tried to claim I always just assumed like, oh yeah, he's do you know, he's he's um sampling it. Yeah, he's sampling it. But anyway, that's vanilla. Ding 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 diggy ding ding yeah, I, I mean, like, for every, like, I think, like, you know, 10 people who don't know, there's two who, like, are like, oh, cool, what's that from? And then mm-hmm. they get into the band. Yeah, yeah, and people spout it off in the comments and stuff. People, yeah, it's, yeah. Look, people are probably uh, finding out more about the original band who did it than I ever did when I heard, you know, um, any any song in the in the 90s that was sampling or referencing um 
something else. It's not the same. As far as the music goes, I love the bridge. You know, the distorted peak guitar that you would kind of hear on a door. And then uh, at like 3.30, it's kind of got this like Nine Inch Nails kind of dirge to it uh, when he's saying the echo bounces off me section. Mm -hmm. The echo bounces off me. The shadow lies beside me. There's no more need to protect. Cause now I can't begin. Uh, which makes sense because Chris Farina of uh, Nine Inch Nails, uh, he used to be the drummer for Nine Inch Nails. He helped with the programming of this. Uh, Chris Verena, uh, I said Verena, but Verena. Uh, yeah, he helped with the programming and sequencing of the you know the first track and the second track. Um, and yeah, for, he was a, a drummer for Nine Inch Nails for uh, the earlier years. Of mm -hmm. So it makes sense that it would have a little bit of that tinge to it. Definitely. It feels like there was a definite kind of convergence of sound between like Nine Inch... And I, maybe it's because they were all on the Lost Highway soundtrack, but like yeah. Nine Inch Nails, Manson, and the Pumpkins all sort of started... I mean, Nine Inch Nails obviously was already working in this kind of sandbox and, and to... Not really. Marilyn Manson was more guitar, like before, you know, like mechanical I mean, animals and stuff. But like they were all sort of like entering this kind of uh, cyber goth, like um, industrial phase together. Or, or their plan. Swamp industrial, were, yeah, as uh, yeah. Pod Like a Hole, the podcast calls it Swamp Industrial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, well, because also, you know, there's a lot of overlap there, but also Manson wouldn't have had the sound uh, that he had previous to Mechanical Animals without Trent Reznor, mm -hmm. uh, let's be honest. But, like, uh, he owes a lot to Trent Reznor. Also, check out the Song Exploder uh, episode of Hurt on Netflix. Oh, uh, I've heard this is, is great. Yeah, superb. It is so fucking good. I'm going to watch it. What do you hear in your voice? That's me not knowing who I was anymore. I felt alone. When I finished it, I think I said I'm sorry. I love uh, the podcast. I haven't seen the show yet. Yeah, the podcast is great, but the show is awesome. I just watched that one and the REM one for um, Losing My Religion, which is also very good. Losing My Religion is kind of a mistake. The fact that it became what it became is still puzzling to all of us. I don't mind being famous. It's not that bad. Uh, you also have Nellie Hooper producing it, uh, who Nellie Hooper was very popular with uh, electronic acts at the time. Most uh, famously uh, did the remix for Six Underground, uh, which is the single version with the, a one-two, a one-two. Mm -hmm. I personally prefer the album version of that song. But 
That's the most known one. It's the Nelly Hooper remix of Six Underground. So uh, that person is working a lot with, you know, uh, electronic acts at that time, doing a lot of remixes, doing a lot of producing. So it makes sense that they would, especially at the time of 97, that they'd bring Nelly Hooper in to help with the production on that, on these mm-hmm. electronic songs. Yeah. I love the slow breakdown. Uh, it's like if you took the darkness of eye and gave it some of the adore flair. Mm-hmm. Um and the explosion gong at the end with the string sustain. I I also love the strings on this. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's interesting how uh, this this version holds. It's you're right when you like when you say that it is almost more. This one is kind of the more Batman like one. You know, um, it's moodier. It's like darker. It, but um, yeah, I guess it can't be can't be a lead single in in 1997 uh yeah any final thoughts on the beginning is the end is the beginning uh no but i think now would be a good time to move on to the ethers tragic So for this one, it's basically just the clean guitar parts uh, with some other kind of um, clean guitars that inhabit the space and layer over it. And I, it made me wonder if this was what he wrote first or if it was on mm-hmm. you know, guitar or piano, because you know how he works with this. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it feels like a good version you can learn to play guitar, like you can learn the guitar parts for. Yeah. Because it's, it's more clear. I really enjoyed listening to it for that, for, for more of like a, a studious standpoint like but it also kind of there was something about it that i thought this track that i thought was really beautiful on its own it kind of had like a slow dive kind of vibe like it took yes when you strip away all the sort of um sounds we were just talking about the kind of very of the time thing that it's you can hear like not only the kind of pumpkins essence but there's also this kind of like 80s gothy alternative kind of lo-fi thing happening which is very cool and sounds like in the world of you know slow dive and like some other stuff that that you know that the pumpkins were were influenced by But yeah, I, I really like this one. And it also got me thinking um, about um, how I want to re- relearn to play guitar. Or perhaps one could say learn for the first time. <laughs> um, I also wrote down, it kind of reminded me of Honey Spider, or Not Worth Asking, or Egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely made me think of old stuff like that, for sure. Go as Joe. Go as Joe. (laughs) Hashtag go as Joe. In 2021, we're encouraging everyone to go as Joe. Go as Joe. Um, This also track felt like it was more fit for Watchmen, the TV show. The one that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross uh, scored. Speaking of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, so many connections. So many superhero, Nine Inch Nails, pumpkins. It's like a... You know, 
It's like an infinite loop. And the fact that the song is <laughs> the song title and it's uh, and the the second version's title are like an infinite loop, you know? It's it is yeah. crazy. It's there's something weird about this. There's something kind of kind of like trippy about this this particular song it's like like it, it the title has come true kind of like it, it's life doesn't seem to end <laughs> um you know i uh, i wonder what the relationship is between trent reznor we've talked about this before because i know there's a respect there mm-hmm. um but man maybe it's just me because those are you know pumpkins and ice gels are probably my favorite bands of all time uh but like wondering if what would happen if they collaborated uh, yeah it must have been talked to i mean you figure the circles they been. run in they must have it's so interesting because of all that like you got your Marilyn Manson Billy Courtney Love all these kind of prominent sort of um characters and they the ones who didn't pass away in the 90s the ones who kind of lived to move into like the late 90s and beyond and beyond um, yeah, they all seem to, to work together, know each other, have friendships, relationships, rivalry type of stuff. But I, I, it's weird that we ha- that we don't know more about Trent and Billy's deal together, if any. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like with his association with Grohl too, like because mm-hmm. uh, like I like I love both of those, you know, like Billy and Grohl, but like, it's like, I don't know how they feel about each other. Like, I know Mm -hmm. Billy's very kind about uh, talking about Grohl, but you never hear Grohl talking about Corgan. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes me wonder because it's such a, it's just such a, and Grohl plays on a couple of Nine Inch Nails albums too. So it's like, I don't know. I just want to hear a collaboration. That's all it is. Just wishful thinking. Yeah, it would it would be great. It would be really cool. Um, I think maybe it would. Wouldn't it be funny if it sucked? If you heard oh yeah, it maybe like, like what if they oh, did collaborate and it was just like stink. the worst piece of shit. <laughs> this is terrible. They both are like, yeah, let's agree to never talk or collaborate yeah, ever just, again. And it's just poorly mastered. You know, you could hear like you know, <laughs> like stuff that's not supposed to be there is there, and like not in a cool experimental way. Like a lot of feedback and like yeah, and just yeah, just sucks. Billy's like, why am I singing like Fred Schneider on this? <laughs> but like very distorted and sounds like I'm singing through a megaphone. Oh, you see a new car on the side of the road. Oh man, that. <laughs> Yeah, that Billy and Trent do their homage to the B-52s. That's with Billy as Fred, <laughs> Fred Schneider. Schneider. I love the B-52s, by the way. They're great. Uh, they're yeah. they're amazing. I yeah. What a what a national treasure that that band is. Love them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, maybe a collaboration would have been disastrous. Which leads to our next song, The Guns of Love Disastrous. Pat, what do you think of this one? I really enjoyed listening to this one. We kind of talked about it earlier, just because, you know, just the, I love the vocally synths, the, uh, you know, like, it did get me thinking about Seer. It did get me thinking about uh, Marilyn Manson a little bit. It, it's it was fun to kind of um, get to deconstruct. The, I don't know. It's interesting how it, this this single and all of its iterations kind of like 
I really feel like when I listen to all four of these, I've really thoroughly like digested the the track the 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 it's more than one track, but the su- the song, the concept. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and then you get to almost like study its elements with these these last two tracks. But yeah, I I really enjoyed the both the Ether's Tragic and the Guns of Love Disastrous. Probably more from like an interested you know fan perspective but but i thought it was um i thought it was cool and i i plan to to listen to it some more yeah it, does, it truly does feel like you know for fans only you know mm-hmm. uh i remember trying to find this single at like sam goody or in any of the places that at the mall that had like the import singles mm-hmm. uh just because i really really wanted to hear these versions and uh, i never got a hold of it but you know later because of the internet age i was able to listen to it i was like oh okay that's cool i did um, have a cd copy of this and i think it still ex- it's i don't have it with me but i don't remember if it just it may have only had the end as a beginning and the beginning is the end. I don't yeah. think it had these other two tracks on it. I, yeah, because I, I believe it was the import version. I could be wrong on this. I uh, think you're had, right. Yeah, and I remember it was kind of hard for me to find. Uh, but also, I think I did find it, and it was like 20 bucks. Right, right. Uh, which was always tough when you had import singles that you wanted to buy. I know. <laughs> you're like, oh, damn. Like, I'm going to spend 20 bucks for, you know, uh, four songs? Okay, Right, four songs that are kind of one song in a way, you know. It's you know. Yeah, yeah. I I I love the keyboards. I was surprised by the plucky keyboard part. Like it's a little elf tiptoeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's got a really kind of like I don't know if it's klezmer. I don't. I can't really remember. But like the bass note is pretty cool. Kind of has a wooden feeling to it. And uh, I looked at the time, I was like, this is four minutes long, uh, but it kind of goes through like kind of fun avenues. I think at 221, there's a keyboard part that's kind of mellotrony mm-hmm. uh, that gives it a nice little flourish. Um, I feel like you could use this version for like a Dune type of show or movie, like a very sci fi uh, show. Mm-hmm. And probably that will happen at this, at this rate. Like in a couple of years, this will be. You know, maybe it'll. There's a new Dune coming out, right? Maybe it'll. And be, it's a Warner Brothers property, so maybe they'll toss this in there. <laughs> Can you this believe a, that? <laughs> Just so you're game. watching Dune, and yeah, I would not be surprised based on the history of this uh, this song this and song. all its versions. I love the sub bass at the end. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, re- I really dug this. This, you know, what else can you say? I guess it's it it's cool. It's cool to hear these isolated. Uh, parts or these these you know takes on them um yeah to what so what's what's your what's your final verdict on on i guess all of these tracks uh i i I like them i think it's cool like again like the the last two of ether's tragic and guns of love disastrous i'm gonna keep (laughs) i know i'm gonna listen back to the edit and the way i'm saying disastrous is gonna make my skin crawl because i'm sure i'm like slurring it a lot but um yeah, I, I like it. I mean, like the first two songs, I have such a strong association and memory of the first one. The end is the beginning is the end. Um, I have, uh, you know, uh, attachment to the beginning is the end is the beginning. Between this and I, it's a cool little snapshot into 
uh, transition period between mm-hmm. this and Adore. And I think that's part of the reason why we wanted to do this one in particular mm-hmm. um, before we move on to uh, some of the other stuff we're going to be covering. But it, it, it really is, uh, I don't know, it's a neat little song. I know it's not well-loved in even the pumpkin community, but I think it has its own uh, merit. It has its own charm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's sort of like a... Yeah, it was definitely an important moment in the pumpkin's history. Like many b- moments, there was like a sort of... You could maybe look at this as like a... Even just the fact that we're talking about four songs that are just this one song and the, the whole Batman thing and the video and the like big sort of expensiveness to it and the like that it was associated with this movie that ended up not being well-loved. You know, there's like a grandiosity to the band that we love. You know, and it doesn't always, it's not always um, five stars, you know what I mean? Like, a, right. like it's, it's not always uh, Tonight Tonight or whatever, but it is like we, it wouldn't be this band if it wasn't for these big swings, these, these like, you know. And it, 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 it is also like um, a nice reminder of just how, how deeply, because it's easy with all these years to kind of just, you carry your own fandom with you and you carry the torch, but like, the Pumpkins were a big, big, big band. Like, if you're being tapped on the shoulder and asked to do this, like, highly anticipated Batman thing... You're gonna do it. Yeah, you're gonna do it, and that also means you are, like, you're you're kind of at the top of your game for better or worse, you know? Also, it's kind of interesting, the parallel between the fact that this was the end of the franchise um, for the Batman, you know, series, and then that this song didn't do as great either. It kind of, like was a breakdown this is kind of the the end the beginning is the end is the beginning for even the band too mm-hmm. kind of i know all yeah the perilous stuff that they went through mm-hmm. yeah you could definitely see it like it's it's and you could kind of like place yourself in that year in that time in the band and sort of like now when i watch things videos I think like okay, so they had to go to like they had to go to set, they had to get made up, they had to like strap these these guitar props onto themselves. Like, I feel like there could have been moments where the band members looked at each other and were like, "Wait, what's going on? <laughs> like, why are we dressed? Why are we Batman, here? <laughs> uh, tights? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just a moment of like taking stock and you know this this isn't what it used to be or something. But like I said, I I don't be. I don't have any um, negative feelings about the fact that they did a Batman song. I think I buy Billy's um, thing that he said about it being an opportunity for um, pressures off creative growth because it's not, you know, you don't have to, you know, it's for something else. It's not, it's not um, just your baby. It's your baby with Joel Schumacher and George Clooney. Yeah. They all just remember, like, also they had to be suspended by wires, too, which I'm sure was not fun. <laughs> I, know. I know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, those are my thoughts. Um, there, there, there are the, uh, the extra ones that are the CRC demos that are on the Adore one, and they're not, they're, they're kind of different, surprisingly, you know, like Ether's Tragic has more pronounced drum machine. It just kind of combines the the one that was on the mm-hmm. single with uh, a more prominent drum 
drum beat. Um, pre-chorus stuff sounds fun with that beat. Uh, I like it a lot. The reverb on the guitar kind of sounds like a electro harmonic holy grail reverb pedal. Like I'm always down for like cathedral mm-hmm. reverb type yeah. of sound. Did you have any thoughts on that Adore? Yeah, version? I mean, I thought they were cool. Um, I kind of, um, yeah, I kind of liked them in the same way that I liked the, you know, these other tracks we were talking about. It's 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 interesting just yeah. to see the, so many iterations of this uh, this one particular song. I actually didn't like the Guns of Love Disastrous, uh, the CRC version, because it sounded like kind of like mall techno, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you walk into a limited right. or a pack sun. Because <laughs> that drum, it's just the drum. It, the gen, it's kind of a some of that doesn't drum age track, well. You know. Some of it's, you know, it, yeah. I, I definitely hear what you're saying there. Some of that sounds just a little too techno 101 or something, you know, like. But absolutely. Um, yeah, that's what that's what that was the sound of of the mall in 1997 <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, and then the soundtrack in general, you know, there's a lot of big names on here uh a lot of surprising mm-hmm. songs on here uh one being uh jules foolish games because of how big that song became yeah. These foolish games are tearing me apart. and i'm like how does this fit on the batman and robin soundtrack i guess they were kind of hoping for a uh, kiss from a rose you know uh type of seal track well speaking of that that i feel like the one that they got was um and i actually think about this song a lot i sing this to my my daughter when i'm changing her diaper except i change the words to diaper city but gotham city by r kelly (laughs) so crazy to listen to this song now because i don't know if everybody remembers it we'll play a little snippet city of justice a city of love City of peace for every one of us. Cause we all need it. Can't live without it. The song has this like someone was like, hey, uh, R. Kelly, um, do your sort of put your I believe I can fly magic on, you know, a song about Batman. <laughs> about Gotham City. It's <laughs> right. got children's choirs. It's got the like, home, looking out in the den of the city. Like, it's crazy. Especially when you think of what we know, what R. What R. Kelly, every, I don't know, everything, this song is so loaded. Like, it feels so off tone for like, first of all, uh, Gotham City is not a city of justice or a city of peace or a city of love. It's a city yeah. of, Horror, you know, kind of. This is definitely a song he had laying yeah, around. Yeah. And they said, "Hey, do you have a track for Batman?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll just change the city name to Gotham." Yeah, cool. yeah. It was gonna be called uh, Kansas City, but you know, we'll just make it Gotham City. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a bizarre song. And then you also just think of like, you know, R. Kelly really got away with pa- passing himself off as this like very uplifting, almost church like guy for a long time. And but he's yep. He's but he's been, a monster. He's been up to the same shit the whole time, and we—it's kind of uh, you know. 
anyway, this was just a trip to, to like actually hear um, actually hear this song. And there was a video for this. I remember. I haven't I haven't watched it recently. Yeah, oh, really? Him, he's like he's um, I'm sure it's movie clips, but then the video part is like I think R. Kelly sort of standing with with the Batmobile, the like kind of glowing Batmobile. Uh, I don't remember. I remember that. seeing of it. You know, it, I, they, I haven't watched it in a long time. I remember the there were a couple of like I remember they inserted clips into the Goo Goo Dolls mm-hmm. song that was on here, which I, I actually really liked. Uh, yeah, I did too. Uh, I got to give it up for the Google. Doll. It was catchy. A, I, I, you know, uh, and you got to give give respect to my my hometown um, fellas, right? The, Buffalo, the your Buffalo yeah. boys. I, I like that band. I mean, I like their early stuff a lot. You know, Hold Me Up, Superstar, Car Wash, and uh, Boy Named Goo. Like, that era, I think, is, is not too bad. It's, it's you know, it's very... If you're into, like, mm-hmm. the replacements or, like, Husker Du, like, that kind of, like, earlier kind of version. Like, the earlier Goo Goo Doll stuff is kind of, like... Definitely, especially that. the replacement. I, you know, I always really liked all the Boy Named Goo stuff. It, it, it was I think it was only when I actually started to know about the replacements that I started to be like, oh, wait. Because they, they sound... Just his singing, like, sounds so much like Paul yeah. Westerberg. I even remember hearing or reading an interview with Paul Westerberg, like, kind of... Well, whatever. I don't want to talk shit about Johnny Resnick, but that he like, you know, he was sort of sweating yeah. him pretty hard and like tried to like be friends Absolutely. with them and like, you know, was, it, clearly they were heavily influenced by them. But anyway, I agree. I, I like this. Yeah. Song. I mean, because you have Soul Asylum, too, who's like hugely influenced. I mean, you could even hear, you know, Dave, the lead singer on one of the replacement mm-hmm. songs. Uh, uh, yelling during a party scene, um, you know, uh, saying "fuck you, man." Oh yeah, is that um, kids don't uh, follow? This is the Minneapolis police. The party is over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is so funny. But yeah, like that, like Soul Asylum and like Goo Goo Doll, early Goo Goo Dolls are hugely influenced mm-hmm. by the replacements. So I don't know. I always liked Goo Goo Dolls early. Uh, Paul Westerberg did the single soundtrack, right? Yep. Just to circle it back to um, Pumpkins again. That is an interesting soundtrack. I can't wait to cover that one because it's got a lot of like, I don't know. It's just such an interesting mm-hmm. mix of artists. But like anyway, for this one, uh, I'm trying to look at what else uh, kind of stood out. Oh, there was a track by Ar- Arcana. When I listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. It was like a big techno mm-hmm. song. I remembered a lot of these. House yeah, on Fire, yeah. yeah. Th- that one. And then also, do you remember the song Breed by uh, Lauren Christie? I got soul. I got touch. Sometimes I maybe got way too much. I don't yeah. know if I only remember it from this, probably, but I definitely listened to it a lot. And it's a pretty good song. And then listening to it this time, I know I was like, wait a minute, this sounds so this has such a um this reminds me of something. The, the Let the Rain Come Down. And then I was like, wait a minute, there was this fucking Hillary Duff song that came out in two thousand four, <laughs> Let the Rain or Coming Clean, it's called. So I got. Down, yeah. I ended up watching that video. I went down that rabbit hole. But then listening to this uh, this 
Lauren Christie song, super um, down by the water, PJ Harvey uh, vibes going yeah. on with the, the sort of filtered, like talky background backing uh vocals that like so right out of the little fish big fish um playbook there so yeah this song took me down a, a whole rabbit hole it's basically the something in the way uh guitar part sped mm-hmm. up yeah yeah which, not to be annoying with this, but isn't that is I think something in the way is used in the trailer or a version of it is, is used in the, the new, new Batman, Batman trailer. Full circle. Full circle. End is the beginning. Is the end. Is the beginning. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of the REM song on here is uh, okay. I think it's it definitely feels like an REM B side, mm-hmm. which is insane because if you have REM on your soundtrack, you're like, well, that's the band, right? That's the big act. But you have Smashing Pumpkins too and R. Kelly, and it's just like uh, it's insane. But that song, it's between New Adventures in Hi-Fi and Up, but it sounds more like a Monster outtake or like it could have been like uh, like from something earlier, like Green mm-hmm. or Out of Time, yeah, you know, yeah. like from that era. Right. But it definitely yeah. feels like a B-side. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was sort of like, well, you know, this is fine as far as R.E.M. songs go. But um, yeah, Wild Soundtrack. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of Watchmen, though, that Underworld track actually feels like the last track before, you know, the Pumpkins track uh, feels like it could fit on a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's uh, Watchmen score, which I thought was funny. Another full circle of Watchmen. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, that's a. Uh, the Batman and Robin soundtrack and the end is the beginning is the end single. Yep. Uh, and B-sides. And uh, that is the end of our episode, but it is the beginning of our year. It is the beginning of a whole new, I guess we could call it a season. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't really like, we're not broken down into, look, it's a new year. We're really excited. <laughs> we're, we're, we're very grateful to be forging into this new, hopefully, um, brighter uh year than than 2020 we're, le- we're leaving that in the rear view but um yeah we got a lot of good stuff coming up and um yeah we're banned plenty more music and and videos and things to dig through so stay tuned that's right and if you want to hit us up online you can email us at the smashing pumpcast at gmail.com and cast is spelled k-a-s-t you can also reach us on instagram and follow us at smashing pumpcast cast is spelled k-a-s-t or you can follow us on twitter at pumpkins podcast and podcast is spelled normal there uh, reach out to us let us know how uh you feel about the show uh, if you have any insight for us uh, we're about to hit up a door uh, in the next coming month. So if you have any cool tidbits about a door or any kind of demos or info that may be outside of our radar, we always use spfc.org, uh, spcodex.wiki, starla.org, um, Wikipedia. We, we try to source as much news uh, as we can that's available online, but sometimes there's so much associated with the pumpkins, as you know, uh, it falls through the cracks. So anything that you feel like maybe might be outside of our 
you know, own research, please feel free to reach out to us so we can use that for the show. Yes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So keep in touch. Uh, lots more to come. And uh, until next time, we bid, we hope you enjoyed this little trip to the movies. That's right. Oh, hopefully we can go back to the movies, Pat, this year. Oh, oh boy, I know. So much. Man, oh, man. I just had a moment recently where I was like, I fucking miss the movies and I miss concerts so much. It's it. You know. I think about it daily. Yeah, it's it's it blows. But um, I think the good news is the fact that um, people desperately tried to recreate that experience this year in creative ways means that it's not going to fall by the wayside it will it will return you know drive-in concerts and movies and stuff happened and became a thing because people crave that uh you know that group connection sharing you know watching or listening to something so Yep, we want to be there with you, rocking out to the pumpkins and watching cool movies. Man, oh man, hopefully by the end of this year we will have experienced the pumpkins live again. That would be great. But until next time, we, so we got a whole year ahead of us. Um, it's going to be a good one. We're feeling good. And until next time, we bid you all farewell and, and good, good night. night. Batman. Batman. Bye bye.